Police just wanted to keep grilling him to see what else he would reveal. And that's when he revealed something very crucial to the investigation. He said that Ashley had been inside his car the day she disappeared, meaning he was the last person to see her. Hey everyone, welcome back to What Happened with Jackie Flores. I'm Jackie and I hope you guys are doing super, super well. So welcome to episode 18 of the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about what happened to 17-year-old Ashley Reeves. Now, this case truly scared me, even though I've covered, you know, so many scary and sad cases in the past. I still get surprised as to how evil people can be. And the man involved in this case is truly evil. I do want to put a trigger warning because we're going to be talking about very graphic details. There is so much information to go over. So let's jump right in and let's talk about what happened to Ashley Reeves. Ashley Reeves was born on January 1st, 1983 in Bellevue, Illinois to her parents, Michelle and Michael Reeves. She had a younger sister named Casey, who she was very close to, and Casey says that she really looked up to her older sister. So soon after the girls were born, the family decided that it was time for a change, and they actually moved one town over to Millstadt, Illinois, which had a population of about 3,200 people. So it was a small town, you know, it was that type of town where everyone knew everyone, everyone was in each other's business, and at the same time, it also just seemed like a relatively safe place to live. So let's talk a little bit about the dynamic of the family. This was a family of four, and Michelle and Michael were pretty strict parents. They had a lot of rules for their daughters, but they also weren't the type of strict parents where Ashley and Casey felt like they had to hide things from them. So yes, they had their rules that the girls needed to follow, but they still had an open relationship with their children. Ashley and Casey didn't feel like they had to keep secrets from them. They were pretty honest and open with them, and they all just had a really good relationship with each other. Ashley and Casey knew that they could go to their parents with anything, and for the most part, they did. They honestly seemed like a typical loving family. Michelle and Michael absolutely adored their daughters and encouraged their daughters to be the best versions of themselves. Although the parents had an open line of communication with their children, teenagers will be teenagers. I mean, you know how it is when you're a teenager, you know, as a teenage girl, sometimes you just don't want to tell your parents what's actually going on or what you're doing. Sometimes you don't even want to tell your friends. I remember being in high school and I was just really secretive. I don't know why, because I wasn't doing anything crazy, but sometimes I just wanted to keep things to myself. And that's how Ashley felt at this time. She didn't want to tell her parents everything that was going on in her life. Ashley was a junior at Columbia High School, and she just seemed to be like any other high school student. You know, she was an excellent student, and she was also known to have a big and beautiful smile on her face. Her classmates say that she was very social, she had a lot of friends, and they all described her as funny and bright. Now, since Ashley was a junior in high school, she was already thinking about her future. You know, next year, she was going to be a senior in high school, and that's when college application starts. You know, that's when everything really starts to change. So she was already planning on what she was going to do and thinking about the different schools and programs that she would apply for in college. She was also in a relationship at this time. She had a boyfriend named Jeremy Smith, who also went to the same high school, and the two of them had been dating for about two years. Now, her parents were really supportive of her relationship with Jeremy, they really liked him. They said that he was just a wholesome and kind guy. You know, they could tell that Jeremy really cared for Ashley and that this relationship was important to him. So as you can see, Ashley was a typical high school student who got good grades in school, had a loving boyfriend, lots of friends, and a great family. Everything seemed to be going well, but on Thursday, April 27th, 2006, that would all change. 
That day, 17-year-old Ashley was getting ready for another day of school. She told her parents that after work, she was going to go to a job interview in Fairview Heights, which was about 15 miles away from their home. After she did her job interview, she was going to go play basketball with a friend, and that would be it. That was pretty much what her day was going to consist of. So, you know, just a typical normal day. Now, normally her parents would give her a ride, but she told her parents that she actually had her own ride. She was going to go borrow her boyfriend's SUV and then use that to take herself to the interview and then to go play basketball. Once Ashley was done getting ready, her and her sister Casey left the house and they headed over to school. Later that day, when they finished their classes, Ashley went to go meet with her sister Casey at her locker. They gathered their things and then they headed over to the student parking lot, got inside Jeremy's SUV, and then Ashley dropped Casey back off at home and then she headed over to her interview. That day went on and at around 10 p.m., Ashley's family realized that she still wasn't home yet, which was very odd because 10 p.m. was her curfew time and as I mentioned earlier, her parents did have strict rules and one of those rules was you cannot miss curfew. Michelle and Michael started to get concerned because they realized that they actually hadn't heard from her all day long and she was just supposed to go to her interview, go play basketball and then come back home. So where was she? The parents went over to Casey and they asked her, have you heard from your sister? Did she let you know about how her interview went or when she was coming home? And Casey said that no, she hadn't spoken to Ashley since she dropped her off at the house earlier that day. The parents are like, okay, that's weird. So they decide to call Ashley's cell phone and, you know, text her to see what's going on, but she wasn't responding to any of the messages or the phone calls. Casey also joined in on this and she was calling and texting her sister, but no one was getting any responses from her. So their next step was to call Ashley's boyfriend, Jeremy. You know, maybe they had met up together and they lost track of time, so they forgot to call and let them know about what was going on. I mean, that was a possibility, you know, that Ashley was simply with her boyfriend. So they called Jeremy and he says that no, he is not with Ashley and that he also hasn't heard from her since he last saw her at school and gave her the car keys. He said that he actually tried to call her a couple of times that day, but she never responded. He texted her, but again, she did not reply to him. After hearing this, the parents got very concerned. I mean, this was just all very out of character for Ashley. I mean, it's one thing to not answer your parents' phone calls, but to not answer your sister or your boyfriend all day long, that's very concerning. So they started calling around to Ashley's friends, but again, no one had heard from her since school ended and no one knew where she currently was. This is when Michelle and Michael just knew that something was definitely wrong and they immediately called the police. They specifically called the St. Clair County Sheriff's Office to report Ashley as missing. Now, missing teenagers aren't always taken that seriously. A lot of the time, detectives assume that the teenager ran away and that they will most likely be back, you know, later that night or the following day. So they don't really take disappearances that seriously, and they can sometimes be hesitant to even start a search party because they don't know if it's actually anything serious. You know, there's a million things that could have happened. You know, the teenager's phone could have died. That's why they weren't answering the phone or contacting anyone. They could have lost track of time or they just didn't feel like coming home. You know, that's why a lot of times there's that 48 hour rule to report someone as missing, which honestly is crazy to me. And it doesn't really make sense because if someone's life is at risk, the first 48 hours are literally the most important. And I understand that sometimes there are cases where this person is a runaway and nothing is actually wrong. But still, the 48 hour rule is just a little bit frustrating. So, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of missing teenagers are treated as runaway situations. But thankfully, in this case, the sheriff's office took Ashley's disappearance very 
seriously and they immediately opened an investigation for her. Now, the reason that they treated it as a missing persons case and not a runaway was because of the level of fear in Michelle's voice. The Sheriff Lieutenant Mike told the police chief, Stephen Johnson, quote, Captain, this one sounds a little bit different. I think we probably need to run with this one right away. And I can't even imagine how scared Michelle must have sounded on the phone, and my heart just breaks for Michelle or anyone who has been in this situation before. Police Chief Steven Johnson said, quote, something was different with this case. This missing girl, Ashley Reeves, was not answering even texts from any of her friends, and one thing we know with young ladies is that maybe they will not answer their parents, but they will answer their friends. So the police knew that Ashley wasn't just a teen, you know, acting out and that her not answering her phone was serious. The police immediately started looking for Jeremy's SUV because they knew that Ashley was the last known person to be driving it. And that was our best lead at, you know, figuring out what had happened. They sent out alerts for patrols to keep an eye out for her car. And the first place that police decided to look was Latterman Park in Bellevue because it was frequented by teenagers. It was only a 15 mile drive from Ashley's house and it also had basketball courses courts and remember Ashley said that she was going to go play basketball after her interview. So detectives head over to this park and sure enough Jeremy's SUV was parked in the parking lot kind of abandoned there. They went to go look inside the car but Ashley wasn't inside and she was nowhere around the car. The police did search the vehicle for clues and they found an outfit that Ashley had packed for her job interview and her basketball clothes. The police started searching every inch of this 22 acre park hoping to find Ashley but after searching searching all night, they still hadn't found her. And you know, at this point, they don't even know if Ashley made it to the basketball court or who the friend that she was supposed to meet to play with was. Now, often when someone is deemed missing, their significant other becomes their first suspect. The fact that Ashley was last seen in Jeremy's car also didn't help with ruling him out. So the next morning, police decided to bring in Jeremy and question him and, you know, kind of zero in on him as the number one suspect. Jeremy was brought into an interrogation room and during his questioning, investigators thought that he appeared genuinely concerned and upset for Ashley. He said that he loved Ashley to death and that he was horrified and he had been crying ever since she went missing. He claimed that he really wanted to fully cooperate with the police and said that he was giving them his 100% the whole truth. On top of wanting to cooperate, he also told police that he had an alibi for that afternoon. It turns out that he was out of town that evening and that's why he even let Ashley use his car because he wasn't even going to be using it. Police went to go check his alibi and it did check out. He told investigators that the last interaction he had with Ashley was when she texted him asking him to call her when he had a minute. However, when he finally called Ashley, she didn't answer her phone and from that moment, he hadn't heard from her. He told police that he just wishes he would have called her sooner. I mean, maybe this message Ashley sent him had something to do with her disappearance. Jeremy also told investigators that Ashley pretty much told him the same thing that she had told her parents, that she was going to go to her job interview and then she was going to go play basketball with a friend. So it doesn't really seem like Ashley was lying about what she was going to do because, you know, it's one thing to tell your parents something, but I feel like she would have been honest with her boyfriend about what her plans were that day. And again, it just truly seemed like she was going to have a simple day. The police asked Jeremy, okay, do you know who this friend was that she was going to meet up with? And he said that Ashley was going to meet up with a man named Samson Shelton, who was Ashley's middle school physical education teacher, a fully adult grown man. The police are like, okay, are Sam and Ashley meeting up for something more than just basketball? And Jeremy said that he didn't think so, that he fully trusted his girlfriend Ashley, and that he honestly believes that they were simply meeting up to play basketball. 
And at this point, I think police were just a little bit confused by this. I mean, why is Ashley's old middle school PE teacher still meeting up with her? It's just, that's a little bit odd. Now, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors today at HelloFresh. Guys, fall is right around the corner and it's time to hit up some pumpkin patches and get ready for the festive season. And while you enjoy fall, HelloFresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty dishes delivered to your door. Simply choose your recipes and pick your delivery date and then lay back and enjoy the last few days of summer knowing that dinner is covered. No need to stress about how you'll handle it all because HelloFresh takes care of the meal planning and delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to your home. So whipping up a homemade meal is a cinch. HelloFresh is all about banishing the end of summer blues and making sure that you feel ready to take on these last few months of the year with some delicious meals. I have a HelloFresh subscription myself and they have a lot of cozy fall meals for you to choose from. They have a potato soup and that one is really good. I love that it's going to save me so much time and I'll be able to make delicious and filling recipes for my friends and family. So what are you waiting for? Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50WhatHappened and use code 50WhatHappened for 50 percent off plus free shipping that's hellofresh.com slash 50 what happened and use code 50 what happened for 50 percent off plus free shipping come find out why hellofresh is america's number one meal kit now back to the case so after this a police decided to bring in ashley's friends and interview them as well now, while the search is going on and these interviews are being conducted, Ashley's mom, Michelle, contacted Ashley's cell phone service provider to figure out who she had been talking to in case that could help with the investigation. Ashley's number was registered with her mom's name, so it was very easy for her mom to get access to these records. So Michelle gets the phone records and she starts going down the list and she's literally calling every single phone number on that list, asking them if they had seen Ashley. Michelle and Michael were determined to find their daughter and they weren't going to just leave it up to the police. Now, while calling everyone on the list, Michelle sees a number that she doesn't recognize. You know, she had Jeremy's number and all of Ashley's friends' numbers, so this unknown number stood out to her. Michelle decided to call the number, and when she did, a man picked up. She asked this person if he had seen or heard from Ashley, and he said no. He specifically said, quote, no, I haven't heard from her, haven't seen her. And then he just hung up the phone. Now, as for who this unknown number belonged to, well, it belonged to none other than Samson Shelton, Ashley's middle school PE teacher. Now, Michelle says that he was polite on the phone and that he did kind of seem concerned for Ashley, but Michelle didn't really suspect anything weird from his tone. The only thing that did stand out to her is that he cut the conversation short and just like quickly hung up. And as I mentioned at the start of the video, Michelle always told her daughters that they could come to her with anything. But Michelle had never really heard much about this PE teacher, so the fact that he had been calling her daughters so often was very confusing. I mean, why were they talking so much if Ashley wasn't even a student at that middle school anymore? And even if she was his student, they don't really need to be talking on the phone. So Michelle brought this information to the police. Now going back to the interviews that the police were conducting with the friends, one of Ashley's friends confirmed that Ashley was planning to go and play basketball that day with Sam and that this was a regular thing for them. To add to that, Ashley's friend also said that this relationship wasn't just friendly, there was definitely something going on between Ashley and Sam. Apparently, Ashley had told some of her girlfriends that she was romantically involved with her ex-PE teacher and that that was the real reason she was meeting up with him that afternoon, which was definitely shocking for the police to hear. I mean, why is this grown man hanging out with his ex-student who is 17 years old? This was all very concerning. So now that they had the statements from Ashley's friends, her phone records, and all the other statements from the family and the boyfriend, the police 
police zeroed in on Samson Shelton as their main suspect. Of course, the police wanted to know more about who this man was, so let's talk a little bit about who Sam is. Samson Shelton was 26 years old at the time, and he was the gym teacher and coach at Ashley's Middle School. But now at the time of her disappearance, he was a high school driver's education teacher and a PE teacher. But he didn't teach at the same high school that Ashley was currently at. So Ashley attended this middle school when she was in seventh grade and he was her teacher there during her time at the school. Once Ashley graduated from middle school and moved on to high school, she reconnected with Sam in February of 2006 when they ran into each other at St. Louis Mardi Gras just two months before her disappearance. Right after that, the two started communicating on Facebook and they eventually set a plan to meet up. Now, it could have just been friendly at the start, but, you know, that's how grooming works. And again, Ashley is just a junior in high school. She's only 17 years old. And at the same time, there is that, you know, difference in power dynamics. You know, he used to be her teacher. So even if she was like the age of consent, I still think it's inappropriate for a teacher to be trying to hang out with an ex-student. Now, Sam was a popular teacher at school and he was also popular in the community. He played on a variety of local teams and he was well-liked by all of the students at the school. He seemed friendly and was extremely close with his mom and with his grandma. He was an aspiring professional wrestler who called himself, quote, the teacher. And, you know, some students did think that he was cute you know, they thought he was good looking, but other students thought that he was a little bit too full of himself, you know, a little bit cocky. He had no previous criminal record and he was currently still teaching at that high school. So the police decided to locate Sam so that they could interview him. He was supposed to be at a basketball practice right now, so they actually went over to his game and they pulled him right out of basketball practice to ask him a few questions. And then they brought him down to the interrogation room. Now, according to detectives, Sam was very cooperative and friendly. He insisted that his relationship with Ashley was strictly platonic and that there was no type of romance going on between them, despite what Ashley's friends were stating. He said that him and Ashley were just friends, that yeah, he used to teach her middle school but you know they stayed in touch with each other bonding over sports and that there was nothing more going on in the friendship detectives asked him okay where have you been for the last two days and that's when sam laid out his routine for them he said that he taught on both thursday and friday and then he went out to a bar thursday night to do some line dancing like he regularly does sam claims that he hadn't seen or heard from ashley at all during that time and that he had no idea where she could be at this moment or what might have happened to her and he also said that he did not have plans to meet up with her like Ashley allegedly told her friends so the police keep asking him more questions about this friendship and that's when Sam admits that Ashley became obsessed with him and that she would call him non-stop so he actually had been avoiding her and you know dodging her phone calls for the past few days and he basically made it seem like Ashley was a stalker now when police heard this they just knew that there was more that he was hiding from them they just honestly didn't believe anything that he was saying they felt like he was trying to to manipulate them by playing along, by cooperating, and by being the nice guy. So they kept pressing him for more details, and, you know, he would change his story so much that police just did not believe anything that he was saying. So, for example, at first he said that his relationship with Ashley was completely platonic, but when police brought up the statements that they had gotten from Ashley's friends, he immediately buckled under pressure, and he said that he had never kissed Ashley. So police are like, okay, what do you mean by that, and why are you even bringing up kissing? 
missing you know because that's a very specific thing to say when they were just asking him if their friendship was more than that so after he says that they had never kissed he literally admitted that him and ashley had had sex in the back of his car so he went from saying that this was a friendly relationship that nothing romantic was going on that he had never even kissed ashley to now saying that him and ashley did have sex i mean that's why police were so iffy about him in the first place because he just kept changing his story Sam tried to explain that he actually felt bad when they had sex, but again, police just didn't really believe him. It was just a lot, and police just wanted to keep grilling him to see what else he would reveal. And that's when he revealed something very crucial to the investigation. He said that Ashley had been inside his car the day she disappeared, meaning he was the last person to see her. This was so huge to the investigators, and of course they wondered why was he keeping this a secret? Why didn't he admit from the start that he was the last person with her? According to Sam, that day they met up and they got into an argument. And he says that Ashley was being very erratic. She was kicking and screaming at him. So he just decided to let her out of the car at Radio Range Road. He let her out. He shut the door and then he just took off. He literally left 17-year-old Ashley outside on the side of the road all by herself. The police were not buying this. I mean, if Sam cared about Ashley, wouldn't he at least be a little bit worried if Ashley made it back home safely? Instead, he just drove off, and then later that night, he went to a bar and did some line dancing. And what's truly shocking and odd is that when police asked him, why didn't you go back to see if Ashley was still there? He says that he didn't want to drive back there because he has a weak stomach. And he was worried that maybe Ashley had gotten hit by a car and he didn't want to drive by and see Ashley laying in a ditch because that would make him feel horrible and would make him throw up. Yeah, he says that he can't even watch movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it's too much for him to handle. So he says that if he would have seen Ashley laying on the side of the road, he just would have felt terrible, which is crazy. I feel like that's insane to say like you didn't want to go check on her in case she was hit and injured by a car then maybe he shouldn't have left her on the side of the road all by herself. Police were just convinced that Sam was still hiding more, especially considering the way the interview was already going. So that's when they decided to bring on another detective named Steven Johnson to the interrogation because a lot of this information still wasn't leading them to actually finding Ashley. So Detective Steven tried a different approach. He tried to reason with Sam by asking him to admit if he had made a mistake. And he even brought up his grandma, who everyone knew Sam was really close to. Stephen said, quote, if I left from here and I went and talked to grandma right now and I laid down this whole story that you're saying, what's grandma gonna say? And this kind of worked. Sam was breaking down a little bit. He said that he just wanted to go home and explain to his mom and grandma what actually happened. But Stephen kept on playing the grandma card. He said, your grandma's not here. Your mom's not here. But you know what? In a way they are. Because everything they taught you, all the talks grandma had with you are within you. All of them are. And unfortunately right now, Sam, you aren't telling us the truth and you need to. You have to for mom and for grandma. Sam immediately started crying and the police left him in the interrogation room for a few minutes so that he could take the time to sit there and think. And finally, the guilt sunk in or at least his moral compass finally kicked in, you know. Something got through to him because he was ready to confess and he asked the officers if he could go show them what happened. After more than 12 hours of interrogation, Sam finally confessed to what really happened to Ashley. So this is what he says. He says that Ashley did go to her interview that day and then afterwards, they met up and were together in his car. 
They had sex, and then they sat in the front of his car. Sam was in the driver's seat, and Ashley was in the passenger seat. This is when Sam tried to apparently end things with Ashley, and that led them to get into this huge fight, and Ashley refused to get out of the car and leave. So Sam says that he unclicked her seatbelt, and he tried to forcefully drag her out of the vehicle. He got her into like a wrestling chokehold, and then he pulled her out of the car. And Sam claims that because of how small Ashley is and how much bigger he is, he accidentally hurt her, which is like, yeah, what a shock that putting someone in a chokehold would hurt them. So Sam says that when he tried to pull her in this chokehold, he heard her neck pop and he knew that he had broken her neck. Ashley went limp and he panicked and didn't know what to do. He kind of picked up Ashley to see if she was still alive and she was, but instead of calling 911 or taking her to the hospital, he decided that he needed to strangle her and try to make it look like someone had attacked her. Well, he didn't really need to stage this considering that he literally was attacking her. And again, that's just crazy that in his brain, he's like, oh my God, I need to kill her and like make it look like someone killed her instead of just taking her to the doctor or to the hospital. So Sam tried choking Ashley to death with his hands, but that didn't work because she was still breathing. Then he took his belt and he pulled it around her neck for a very long time. He said that he had to turn his head away because he didn't want to see what he's doing because like I mentioned, he has a weak stomach and he felt like he was going to throw up. But at the same time, I'm like, he literally had the option to stop doing this. So I don't know why he was trying to add his like sickness into the story. I feel like it was trying to make him seem like he was a victim in all of this. Like he didn't want to be doing this, but he had to. So he's doing this when all of a sudden he said he heard a gurgle and he let go. He turned around to see that Ashley had spit and foam coming out of her mouth. And that was the sickest color he had ever seen her. Her tongue was protruding from between her teeth, but it doesn't end there. He then turned Ashley's body to face the car window, so away from him. And he used his foot for leverage on her back to choke her as hard as he could. And the belt actually broke from the extreme force. Like the level of strength and force that would take is truly horrifying. So because Sam couldn't use the belt anymore, he repositioned Ashley one more time and choked her with his hands until there was no more breathing, no more Froth, no more changing of the facial color. Ashley was gone. He then shoved Ashley down to the ground of the passenger seat area and he drove to Citizen Park, which was a 42-acre park several towns away. He then parked and made sure that no one was around. And then he dragged Ashley's body out to a secluded area and he left her dead body there. He then ran back to his car and just drove off. Later that night, while Ashley's body was laying in this park, Sam went out and went line dancing. And there's actually footage of him doing this. He's just dancing with all these people. He doesn't have a care in the world or any guilt for what he had just done. And then the next day, he literally went to school and taught class. Yeah, he literally was with students teaching them and the students and the staff say that he was completely normal. He had no signs of distress. He didn't look upset. He didn't look worried. He was just his regular self. He continued to joke around with some of his students as he usually did. And after school, he went to the baseball field to play a game, which is just truly disturbing. The fact that he was able to go to a bar that same night he brutally killed someone is frightening. And it just shows how evil he is and how he literally has no remorse for what he did. You would think that maybe he would go home and just like hide or cry and like be by himself because he feels terrible for what he did. But no, he was able to go to a bar and go line dancing. It's also terrifying to know that the next day he was around students just acting normal. Like, 
I don't even know how those students feel now knowing this or the parents feel. So after confessing to what he had done, Sam led the officers to where he had left Ashley's body in Citizens Park. At this point, Ashley has been reported missing for 30 hours. It was pouring rain and the woods were very thick. Sam had dragged Ashley's body to a secluded part of the woods so that she wouldn't be seen. But now, in the dark and in the damp, you know, he claimed that he couldn't figure out where he put her, so her body could have been anywhere. After they walked around through the woods for around 30 minutes or so, the investigators were starting to think that maybe Sam was just kind of taking them on a wild goose chase and, you know, just lying to them again. But then, suddenly, their flashlights landed on something. It was Ashley's body. She was laying on the ground on her back. She was just covered in insect bites all over her body because she had been deep in this forest for a long time. And there's actually footage of police finding Ashley's body, which of course I'm not gonna include in this video because it's way too graphic and just a lot to take in. It was just a really horrific scene to come across, but as the investigators got closer to her, they realized that her chest was moving and that she was still breathing. The officers were shocked that they had found Ashley alive. Paramedics quickly rushed Ashley to the hospital, but they weren't too confident that she was going to make it. She had been repeatedly strangled, her neck was injured, and she was left out in the cold with only a t-shirt, so she had hypothermia. At the hospital, Ashley was put into a medically induced coma. The hospital staff told her family that they didn't expect her to wake up because of how severe her injuries were. Of course, the family was happy that Ashley had been found, but now they were just hoping that she would pull through, and Ashley did. Several weeks later, Ashley was woke up from her coma, which was a miracle, and her family was just so happy about this. They could not believe that Ashley was awake and alive, but they also knew that her road to recovery was going to be very long. She was described by one of the detectives on her case as one of the toughest people that you would meet. First, Ashley fought to survive, and then she fought to be able to speak again. She was in a wheelchair since her neck had been broken, but she fought to be able to walk again, and she was able to. The road to recovery had been long, painful, and emotional. Doctors even had to reteach her on how to eat and drink again. Ashley remembers that her first drink of water after fully recovering was amazing. And then just months later, Ashley regained full use of her body, which is just so amazing. I can't imagine going through all of those things that she went through and then just making a full recovery and being alive. So to this day, Ashley says that she doesn't really remember anything that happened before the attack. She doesn't remember anything about the attack itself or the days after she was found. She hasn't really spoken about how this relationship with Sam started. As I mentioned, they reconnected at Mardi Gras in February, but as to how they started seeing each other and how they started getting romantic to each other, we don't really know. What Ashley has said is that she knew that this relationship was going further than it was supposed to and that it needed to end. She says that Sam was very possessive. He would text her constantly and he always just wanted to know where she was. You know, at the time, she didn't think much of it, but now looking back at it, she thinks that it was very odd behavior. If she ever said no to him, he would never react well to that. He did not like to take no for an answer, and she also stated that a lot of the other girls had a crush on Sam. Like I mentioned, a lot of people thought that he was attractive and that he was like the cute teacher. So Ashley would often question herself, you know, why did he choose me? Why is he dating me? Ashley also said that a part of her wants to try and remember what actually happened that day, but then a part of her also thinks that maybe it's not a good idea. The one thing Ashley does remember is that she was the one trying to break off the relationship with Sam, and then they got into a fight, which is crazy because Sam had told the police that he was the one who tried to end it. 
Now, this really changes Sam's story because that means that Ashley tried to break up with him and then he attacked her and tried to murder her as a result of the breakup. On top of that, Sam didn't have any defensive marks on him. So he is claiming that Ashley was erratic and that she was kicking and fighting him, but the marks on his body don't show that. And Ashley was a 17-year-old girl. You know, Sam was trying to be a pro wrestler, so he was way bigger than her. And honestly, Ashley just didn't even have the chance to fight back against this fully grown man. And it's so scary to me that, you know, she was trying to break off this relationship and this guy just couldn't take no for an answer. And instead of just being single and moving on, he had to kill Ashley. So after everything that happened to Ashley, she says that she's a fighter and she just keeps wanting to push herself harder and harder. She said that she's grown from this, she's gotten older now, and she's gotten a better outlook on life. I was just so happy to learn that Ashley had survived this and that she had learned to walk again, learned to eat, and that she was moving forward with her life. It truly was a miracle and Ashley is such an incredibly strong person. So now let's talk about what happened to Sam. Sam was arrested and charged with attempted murder on April 28th. So even after Ashley's body was found in such a horrific and near-death state, Sam was literally only thinking about himself. He was asking the police officers questions about what type of prison he would go to and what he would be able to do in prison. He was asking questions such as, am I gonna be able to take my contact solution with me and take out my contacts? Can I have a toothbrush? Am I gonna have a private area for the toilet? Because I can't pee when there's other people around me because I have a urinary stress disorder. Yeah, Ashley was literally in a coma. She was left outside for 30 hours with bugs all over her. She couldn't walk for some time, but his primary concern was whether or not he was gonna be able to have his contacts and his toothbrush. So despite Sam's violent confession that showed he literally acted with zero remorse, he actually made bail and was released while awaiting trial and put under house arrest. Which is so crazy to me, I feel like he was definitely a danger to the community so how was someone like him even granted bail so while sam was under house arrest he actually tried to take his own life by taking a bunch of prescription pills and mixing it with alcohol when emts arrived at his house and they tried to save him sam actually punched and spit at them he had written on his chest something like don't save me or you know don't resuscitate me so when he was at the hospital he actually yelled racial slurs at a nurse and then tried to kick her in the face yeah this guy's literally the worst now his attempt to take his own life did cause a judge in his case to question his mental state, but in the end, he was deemed mentally fit to stand on trial. Now, going to trial meant that Ashley was going to have to testify against Sam, but her family didn't want that to happen because they didn't want her to have to relive all of the trauma, so they actually signed off on a plea deal. In June of 2007, Sam pleaded guilty to attempted first-degree murder and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. I feel like he should have gotten life for what he did, like, the sentence shouldn't really be smaller just because Ashley miraculously survived. As of now, Sam is currently serving his sentence at the Medium Security Hill Correctional Center in Galesburg. He qualifies for parole in spring of 2024, but his original projected discharge date is April 22nd, 2027. He was 26 when he was arrested, and he is now 41 years old. It really is frightening that in a few years, Sam will be released. It's scary to even think about that, and I can't even imagine how Ashley's family feels about it. I just really hope that he never hurts anyone else again, and hopefully he just leaves Ashley alone and doesn't try to contact her or her family. As for where Ashley is today, she has a completely new life. She has two kids now, she's working as a caregiver in Illinois, and she's just done her best to move on from this. There was actually a Lifetime movie made about her story 
called Left for Dead, which premiered in 2021. Ashley has done a handful of interviews speaking about what happened to her. She doesn't really speak out much about it, which is understandable. I'm sure it's so hard for her to speak about this and relive through this terrible situation. In 2017, Ashley was on Crime Watch Daily with Elizabeth Smart. Elizabeth Smart is another survivor, and I've actually done an episode on her if you guys want to check it out after this one because her survivor story is so amazing and so inspiring, and she's just such a great advocate for victims. So Ashley went on Crime Watch Daily with Elizabeth, and they actually went back to the crime scene. This was the first time that Ashley had been there since the day that she was found, and she said that she could barely remember the terror that she went through. She really didn't want to visit the site where she almost died, which of course is so understandable, but after going to the site with Elizabeth, she realized that she was an incredibly strong person. The fact that she was a fighter and she was able to fight for her life makes her want to push herself harder and harder. Ashley says that she had to watch some of the recordings of Sam's interrogation and that it was really difficult for her to watch this. She only watched for about a minute and 30 seconds before turning it off and just feeling super upset. She also watched some of her rescue video, which as I mentioned is available, and she only watched up until the point where they actually found her. I will link the Crime Watch Daily episode under my YouTube video so you guys can see Ashley talk about her experience with Elizabeth. Now, as for how the town reacted to Ashley's rescue and to her story, of course, people were happy that she was found and that she was found alive, but she did face some backlash. There was a lot of rumors about her and just many negative statements made, so she did face a lot of victim blaming and it took her a long time to overcome it. You know, people were blaming her because she was cheating on her boyfriend with Sam and they called her a terrible person but you know at the end of the day sam is the one who did a truly evil thing the way he attacked ashley and tried to kill her is so horrendous and you know he was the adult in the situation so it's just really upsetting that ashley was receiving such negative comments when she should have been receiving so much love and support from her community Ashley's message to anyone who's kept up with her story is to never give up on yourself. She believes there's bigger, better things out there. She's gone through plenty of hardships and she just kept fighting. Every day it's a struggle, but you just gotta keep on trudging. As I mentioned at the start of the video, this case like scared me. I think Sam was lying and you know, he was not the one that was trying to break up the relationship. I think Ashley was the one who tried to end everything and he just couldn't handle it. So he decided to kill her. You know, the way he describes how he tried to kill her is just so haunting and I don't feel like this guy has any remorse. I'm just so happy that Ashley survived this and that she's been able to move on and that she has her own family now. It's amazing that the police did take Ashley's disappearance seriously and that they didn't just mark her as a runaway. If they had waited 48 hours to actually start looking for her, who knows if Ashley would have been alive today because they started looking for her so quickly. You know, they were able to zero in on Sam, get him to crack and find Ashley all within less than 30 hours. I just wish that every case was treated that way. You know, on my channel, I've covered so many cases where people don't take the disappearances seriously and they tell the family that they need to wait 48 hours, which is very frustrating. So I would love to know what you guys think about this. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to leave me a comment down below so I can see your thoughts on this case. And if there's ever any other cases you would like me to cover, make sure to leave me a comment or send me a message on Instagram. But yeah, that's pretty much everything I have on today's case. Thank you guys so much for being here and for taking the time to listen to what happened to Ashley Reeves. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review what happened wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to my YouTube channel, True Crime Jackie, on YouTube for full video episodes. You can find me on Instagram at the Jackie Flores and on TikTok at True Crime Jackie. Bye guys.